Hey, Gumby, I got to tell you, I'm thinking about doing something pretty drastic right now. I had an awful weekend of gambling. I bet big on Frankie Edgar and and uh, Misha Tate, and I'm thinking of just ramming my head through this wall in our podcast studio right now. Do you know anything that might help brace for impact on that? I've got the perfect thing for you, Dave. Get yourself a Sisu mouth guard, because if you're going to bash your head into the wall after a bad week of gambling, you're going to want to have a Sisu mouth guard. Sisu mouth guards help against concussions better than any mouth guard on the market, and they're super lightweight and breathable. Head on over to sisuguard.com and get yourself a Sisu Mouthguard. Episode 27 of Top Turtle MMA is brought to you by Sisu Mouthguards. We are rolling. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast. I am David Tremonti. I am joined by the co-editor of MMA-Manifesto.com, Daniel Gumby Vreeland. Thank you for coming to the podcast. We, of course, are available Wherever a podcast is being streamed, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, and you, of course, can go to the mothership, MMA-Manifesto.com, click on the podcast tab. That's where we live. We got our archives there. We're 26 episodes deep. This is episode 27, coming to you eh, a mere 12 to 14-ish hours after UFC 200. Gumby, what did you think of the show? Uh, You know, as far as, like, monumental moments because I, I think that's what i wanted out of ufc 200 yes is like a, a monumental like earth shattering moment and and i've got to say I, it was a little void of that the I, fights were great like i enjoyed the fights but there wasn't ever a moment where i was like wow that changes everything like the, when you think about ufc 100 when brock lesnar beat frank Mir. It was like, wow, he he finally erased that loss. He was he the king won- of the mountain. He's the king of the he's the king of everything. Baddest like, man on the planet. Exactly. It it was like a crowning of the baddest man on the planet. That's a great way of putting it. And there was like nothing that did that for I, me. I could not agree more with you. When you look back on one hundred, I mean between the GSP pulling his groin and uh, Faraz saying, you don't need your groin to win yeah. to the epic H-bomb over uh, Michael Bisping. And then obviously what you just said with Brock kind of cementing his place at the top of the heavyweight division. Um, yeah, I mean, it just it didn't have anything close to that. And I have to say, you know, I think this event has been a little snake bitten from jump. If the UFC could have their druthers, I actually hate that word, but <laughs> if they could have their druthers, they would have wanted one of three people headlining, and I think it's in this order. Connor or Ronda, one and two, because those are their two And, super and you st- can interchange those one and two. It doesn't matter much. which one's yeah. one or which one's two. Yeah, exactly. You know, Connor brings in the international market and all the Irish fans. Ronda brings in maybe more of the Hollywood mainstream attention. And the crossover. Ellen DeGeneres is going to be all over it. Um, and then three, as kind of like a fail-safe, maybe a little bit of a jump, they'd want John Jones. Yep. He's the best at the top of his game. And you know what? Even all his media trouble, it kept his name in the news. Yeah. He, he's not the star at the level of Ronda or Connor, but you get what I'm saying. So it was those three. And all three were snake-bitten in one way or another. Ronda goes to Hollywood, uh, needed time off after the Holly thing. Who knows where her head is at? Said she was suicidal after the loss. No one really knows what's going on with Ronda right now. And she had knee surgery. So, okay, there you go. That's done. Connor, it's almost, um, 
it's just a story of a business deal gone awry. I hate that word. Awry. <laughs> a, uh, lot of, a lot of words you hate. <laughs> but I say them because I'm trying to make fun of them. But, um, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because of what happened with the press yeah, conference yeah, and him yeah. not wanting to do it. And then John Jones, a victim of his own just yeah, self-sabotaging. I, I, I'm still kind of waiting to hear what it is he tested positive for. Because they keep saying performance enhancers, right? But do we? we don't have like a, you know some kind of long scientific name for what it is yet. Right? right. No, I don't think we do. And I mean, I think we know it wasn't anything like, uh, you know, the cocaína or the greenery. Yeah, because they keep saying performance, performance enhancing. Yeah. yeah. So well, I, you could say coke. No, what? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, I'm with you. Right. Any Bravo would argue. <laughs> we'll, we'll find that out um, eventually. But so that's kind of why I found the event a little snake bitten. And then when you even look at the lineup of the card, it's like Brock Hunt, felt like the seminal moment if there was one just because yeah. of the freak show yeah, aspect absolutely. of it but it wasn't the main event and then to have i mean listen i think it's awesome that uh two women fighters main evented the bicentennial biggest show quote unquote in history but there was sort of a bit of a letdown to it and then you know what the dc dc having to fight anderson and we'll get into all this in a second but right now i just want to keep it on the show as, as a whole mm-hmm. DC and Anderson kind of took the wind out of the crowd sail a little bit. It was oh, a, I, I 100%. I said this to the people who I was watching with, too. Is I was like, as soon as that fight happened, it seemed like the crowd wasn't in Hunt Lesnar, which is crazy because it was a good fight. Fun fight. I, I really enjoyed it, but it seemed like the crowd wasn't into it because like DC sucked the life out of the building. Right. So, all right, do you want to get into fight by fight here? Yeah, let's go right, fight by fight. Let's go backwards, and we'll kind of work our way through the whole weekend in a speed express kind of way misha tate uh tried to defend her bantamweight title for the first time against amanda nunes and amanda nunes just lit her face up like a christmas tree in the first round looked like just a vicious killer and i i almost want to start with you on this if doc brown in his delorean showed up at your doorstep last august and said hey gumby in the next 11 months there are going to be four women's bantamweight champions <laughs> you would have told that old scientist he's a kook and he's crazy yeah. but here we are yeah they've played hot potato with that belt now it's, it's turning into the heavyweight belt nobody can defend it <laughs> uh yeah it's crazy um but i think it's finally getting to a place where that division is like the men's divisions there's so many good 135 pound women now that there's a handful of people who could hold the title and, and if you play the game who do you think is the best in the division? I, I'm going to argue that there's probably 75% of like knowledgeable MMA fans out there won't say Amanda Nunes. Because mm-hmm. I think home would beat her. I agree. I think I, I was going to say would crush her. I think home would crush her. She, I think home, home is would, a terrible matchup. I think home would weather the storm of round one and then just outbox her for the next four uh, rounds. I actually disagree with that assessment altogether. I think. When Nunez rushes in to throw her crazy punches, she counters the shit out of her. I mean, I, I think Nunez starts going bonkers, head kick to the teeth. And I can see over. that too. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, that's what Rousey's problem was. Rousey came at home at 150 miles an hour, and home is an excellent counter striker. Um, and then also, I have to say, I you know, Juliana Pena, and we'll get to her in a bit, she looked good in uh, especially her grappling. I'd pick her grappling over Sage Northcuts any day. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes is uh, close to a toss-up. Well, I don't know who to really favor there. I'm pretty sure that uh, Dana put her name in uh, 
the press conference is one of the three people that Nunez could defend against. I would imagine if Holly beats Shlavenko. Yeah, it was the Holly Shlavenko winner, Ronda, or or Nunez. Right. But they're uh, not going to give Misha an instant rematch after that. They didn't give Holly one, so fuck it. They did. I mean, Rousey technically didn't get one. So yeah. So I mean, I don't know. Kind of exciting, I guess you could call it parody, and I think it is. But parody's great. It is, especially in those women's divisions which have not gotten a lot of attention. And I say this about the flyweight division too. If there was just some parody and some excitement and some like uncertainty right people would follow the division more you know everybody knows every single title fight mighty mouse is going to win all right and when rousey was doing that people cared about rousey but didn't care about the division yeah i know what you're saying it does make it makes the division come off stronger when there is a little bit of parody exactly um now we just talked about what could be next for nunez um time will tell on that we have the top three what do you do with Misha Tate? Do you kind of start her back down at the at the bottom of the ladder? Do you keep her up towards a top five fighter? I mean, to be honest with you, my first instinct with her was to give her Juliana Pena. Um, her, her BFF. Oh, is it her BFF? Their training partner. Uh, yeah, I yeah. did not know that. Well, Ooh. you know what my first instinct because was? I, I, if we think about, you know, if we throw that out the, the window, because obviously in my head I didn't even have that in the window. Um, if you throw that out the window... That's like the kind of matchup she needs. Somebody who is more grapple heavy, yes. isn't going to outstrike her, and is hovering right around that number five mark. So you know what I'm thinking, and it might be kind of a uh, vicious move to make, but her and Kat Zingano had one of the early standout fights uh, in the that, women's bantamweight division. They're Zingano both coming off too. losses. Yeah, why not? Yeah. Let's see who, you know. And, and I, I I actually think I, I would favor Misha in the rematch, even I would though too. she lost. I original. think Misha has become a better fighter in the last couple of years than Kat has, and I might even make an argument when we get to that uh, point that Kat has regressed a little bit. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so now we get to move to the exciting freak show fight of the night what brought everyone to the dance and it's worth noting at this juncture gumby we don't have the overnight ratings for the prelims which are usually a very good indicator of what a buy rate is um we do know that it was the number one trend on twitter was mm-hmm. ufc 200 that's always a very good indication but i will say that they broke their live attendance gate record yeah, in 10 Vegas. mil right or like yeah. 10.4 10.4 or something yeah. like that yeah that is an insane gate man. so you know i think you had the name value of 200 the opening of the new arena and brock motherfucking lesnar i yeah. think brought a lot of fans to that uh bottom line is though is that uh brock lesnar with the upset you had two upsets in the co-main event uh, Brock Lesnar upset Mark Hunt and just showed that vicious takedown uh, machine that he is and a very nice ground and pound. Couldn't finish him, but Mark Hunt's tough to finish. You know, it took Stipe five rounds. Well, and, and you know what, too? So, um, you know, I, th- I think a lot of people after that fight criticized Brock for not trying to finish harder because he didn't really open up with the ground and pound. He was a little cautious. But the other thing I will tell you that I noticed he was doing – um, that I think a lot of people didn't notice he was doing is he was very clearly trying to set up that arm triangle. I love that. I saw that. Yep. Yeah. Like three or four so times. he finished Carwin. Yeah. He tried three or four times on the right side. And I said to, to the people I was watching with, I was like, hey, he's trying for that arm triangle. And they're like, why do you know? And he's like under the elbow. And I'm like, he'd probably have a better chance if he just tried it on the other side. And then I watched him try it two or three times on the other side too. So he was looking for a submission. So he was he was definitely looking to finish Hunt, but um, at that point in time, I mean, like, I, I was impressed with what he did. I mean, I, who could do that to Mark Hunt? A- anyone who's going to criticize that performance can honestly go fudge themselves because this is a guy who hasn't had a win in six years, hasn't fought in four years, 
And, you know, what did we know? What what could we expect? I think he basically... And from, he beat a top five guy. Exactly. And I think from what I understand, if you watch a couple of those embedded episodes, they had a great um, backstage uh, interaction captured on camera between him and Misha, which is kind of funny to think about because it's like if Brock was hitting on Misha, what would Brian Caraway do? <laughs> but anyway, uh, but, you know, she was like, how did this come together? And he's like, oh, no, I called them. I called them like six weeks ago, basically, or maybe even eight weeks ago is when negotiations started. So this is a guy who basically rolled out of bed eight weeks ago and said, I would like to do this, please. And that was the performance he put on. Go fudge yourself if you're going to criticize that. I I think that's absolutely a performance that you can't criticize. He did an amazing, amazing job. Um, And, and, you know, there's a part of me that wants more. I mean, and, and he didn't close any doors. No, there's a part of me that wants more. And. You know, when I think about the landscape of the heavyweight division, too, it's not unreasonable to think he can't beat a couple of people near the top and I, go on a run here, right? I, I really, truly believe this is crazy to say because it is coming off of Mark Hunt, who once you get him to the ground, he's going to be a little bit more but, of a kitten. But, but, he, but he avoided the shots exa- from Mark That's Hunt. the other thing. For someone, we were all so, oh, he can't take a shot. He took uh, some shots. If he could do the same thing against Alistair Overeem, survive like a round and a half, and then just start a takedown game... I, yeah, I, I, or or like so. I, I was just thinking, like people in the the heavyweight division. How would he do? You know, if we went ten to backwards, you know, ten to one from the bottom. How would he handle those people? And when you think about it, it he would beat almost everybody on that list. I mean, like you could make an argument. Cain Velasquez is a terrible matchup for him. Yes, Cain's a terrible matchup for. Exactly. Ever and, and in you history. could probably say the same thing about Stipe, but I would tell you that if he could take down Overeem, Overeem would be in bad shape. Yes. You know, or if he could do the same thing he did to Mark Hunt, who's a similar type of fighter, really good striker, maybe iffy on the grappling department, he could beat Alistair Overeem. Look at Travis Brown last night. He could freaking demolish Travis Brown. Yes. And Travis Brown is up there in that division. And then, I mean, the other one that I think is kind of a fun one to think about, I would love to just see him and Derek the Black Beast Lewis just for the freak show nature of it. Awesome or what? (laughs) Him for, I mean, they wouldn't give Derek Lewis now because A, they're trying to make Derek Lewis a contender. B, uh, he's not a big enough name yet. Yeah, Brock Lesnar needs to fight the big names. But, like, how about the winner of Barnett and Andre Arlovsky? You could give anyone. I mean, I want to see. It's interesting. I'd watch him fight either of those two dudes. I'd watch him fight Stipe. If they want to bring in Fedor and just have him destroy the he shell, he would. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm into that, too. It's Brock fucking Lesnar. And I have to say, I encourage um, our loyal listeners and you, if you haven't seen it, the post-fight press conference, did you get a chance? I did not. Okay, that's fine. Uh, it starts with a one- Man oh, I only press this. conference and Brock <laughs> held that room like a stand up fucking comedian for one thing. And if you ever want to understand why Brock Lesnar is such a superstar in the in the, you know, kind of theatrical world of pro wrestling, he was in a good mood and he had the nerd MMA reporters stammering when they were asking him questions because they were getting nervous. Yeah, he's got this like it's a aura. ultra presence. Yeah, yeah it's I've an... seen him him do that in interviews before, where the like most eloquent interviewer just sounds like a babbling idiot, right? Because you're looking at this mountain of a man, yeah. and you get intimidated. It's hilarious. That's why he's a millionaire and a great 
kind of presence in pro wrestling. 2.5 million last night. Um, yeah, because disclosed payout. Um, also, I have to say his very kind of like garbled, I don't think it came out right, but his post fight oh, sound God, bite. It almost sounded white supremacist, it, it, didn't it? It, it, it was then it, Yeah, it was scary for a second, and then it went a turn back to like positive town, and we, it was kind of like. All, all races need to come together. I come was together. Like, Oh, thank, thank God. God. <laughs> Me too. And then I was just like, you know what? Brock Lesnar could do more for race relations in this country than any politician. You know what? You get know, this man a microphone and get him to Washington, D.C. You know what I thought was pretty funny about all that, too, is that he's talking about how this country needs to come together race-wise. And, and you know, like, wherever you stand on politics, I don't give a shit. That, that's not what this podcast is about. But he's got a Canadian flag on his shoulder. Yes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this so, country, know. and he's, like, repping Canada. That's ridiculous to me. Um, so I guess the question becomes, for Mark Hunt, he just keeps on trucking and being the Super Samoan. Yeah. He'll I mean, brush this off, and he'll be knocking fight. some asshole out. I mean, and... when we talked to him, uh, what was it, like a couple months ago. Back in March, you know, I think. He said he's got no interest in retiring. It was right before he fought Frank Mir. Right. Yeah. He's got no interest in retiring. Does he think he has a title shot in in his future? Maybe not, but he's going to keep fighting people for fun because he keeps making paychecks and people keep paying to watch him fight. I keep throwing this name out there, but how about him versus Derek the Black Beast? Lewis? Oh god. That I mean, oof. That's scary. Uh, neither person is going to go for a takedown, no, probably. No. <laughs> um, all right. And then you had the uh, the fight that made the crowd um, unhappy, and that was DC grinding out a win, um, largely just uh, ground and pound, but maybe without the pound. Um, he got Anderson to the ground, and Anderson did a great job with the lockdown. Yeah. Shout really out to lockdown on Eddie the, the Bravo. Half, half guard. And then when, you know, the exchanges where they were standing, um, you know, Anderson in that third round, I thought for a second I got very excited. I thought he, he might have hurt him. Yeah, with like a, uh, got him in the ribs with a nice kick. Um, it is what it is. You saw Anderson Silva take a fight on short notice, so he wasn't going to be up for the grappling exchanges. Uh, he did what he could to nullify DC on top of him. And, you know, in his prime, I, I think Anderson would have lit his face up. Um, yeah, but, he's, he, I mean, he's, he's an older guy who took the fight on 48 hours notice. I mean, like if you expected any more than that, you, you were, you know, I, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but you, you were being too hopeful if you thought that more than that was going to happen. Well, let me ask you this in retrospect, hindsight, 2020, are you happy the fight happened or would you rather have seen them move Musasi up to face him? Um, I'm still happy the fight happened the way it did because Musasi got a chance to prove himself on the prelims. I thought he did really good on the prelims, uh, and I think that probably did more for his stock than going up 20 pounds in fighting a guy who was going to smash him. Yeah. Um, and, and you know I like Gegard Musasi, so he like needed a win like that to stay relevant at, at uh, 85. It, it was a fu- it was the right fight to make because what I mean, what did Anderson lose? Nothing. Nothing. He got a payday. Nobody is is questioning his legacy over that fight. I I'll tell you this too. I'm a guy, and I love Anderson Silva. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I respect the fuck out of him. You want to tell me goat? I'm fine with that. Um, but I've had moments with him, like the Damian Maya fight, or even little stuff, like when he celebrated after the need of Michael Bisping, like he had and won, didn't, didn't finish, and didn't yeah. finish. And I thought that was kind of like a little bit of gamesmanship. 
I think sometimes he's a bit of a fagazi, as Chael Sonnen might have called him back in the day. Sometimes I think he actually understands English better than he lets on. I know he does. But (laughs) I have to say, I have never been more happy to see Anderson Silva than last night, because I felt like he was doing a favor to the fans. And don't get me wrong. I mean, he probably made a cool $2 out of it. But... Uh, you know, I think he's last a company night, man. he's a company man. And I think last night kind of cemented his place for me is just like, it's Anderson fucking Silva. Yeah. No, I'm not unhappy. He showed up and yeah. you know, it is what it is. And well, I, the, I, the one thing I will say that you can criticize from that, because I, I agree, you definitely can't criticize Anderson Silva. Uh, I did have one moment in that, that, uh, post fight interview where I was a little worried he was retiring his like language scared me a little bit. But I think the one thing you can criticize in all of that, I, I really do think you can criticize Dan Cormier. And I know he's going in fighting somebody completely different and who has a completely different skill set. But he's largely fighting somebody who has a significantly worse skill set. You know what I mean? Like, John Jones is is just as dangerous, if not more dangerous, on his feet now than present-day Anderson Silva. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, at least it's in the ballpark. The grappling offense non-existent compared to to John Jones. The grappling defense, non-existent compared to John Jones. So for Daniel Cormier to have not tried to open up at any point in time, like, was there any point in time where you were like, oh, here comes Cormier giving it his all? No, I mean, yeah, and that's the thing is, like, Cormier, you know, we talk about, oh, GSP didn't finish, John Jones didn't finish. I mean, other than putting a hurt on Patrick Cummins on 48 hours notice and and then getting a tired Rumble Johnson with a choke and I guess kind of ragdolling Dan Henderson, Cormier I don't think of as, like, a power puncher or really a finisher in any way. He didn't even look dominant. Right. You know what I mean? Like, he fought a guy on short notice who is lighter than him, and like clearly not in his prime anymore, and somehow he he looked worse than he normally does. And I'm sure the week had a toll on him, but for, if anything, for me, that fight did more damage than good for Cormier's legacy. Well, and I'll also say this: I I kind of had this thought, and we'll save this all for when Cormier. He said in the post fight press conference, it's probably the winner of Gumble, uh, Gumble, Rumble versus Glover for him, and that makes the most amount of sense. He's already beat Gus. He's already beat Rumble, but that was a short notice fight. Him and Glover is the most intriguing matchup to me there at the top. But anyway, when we get to that breakdown, we can bring this back up. But you know, you've now seen in three fights in a row, uh, Cormier get tagged and rocked and wince. In the Gus fight, he took a knee that almost ended the fight. Yep. In the Rumble fight, he took two shots in the first round, where even he in the post fight was like, I didn't think I was going to make it through that. And Anderson tagged him in the ribcage last night, and he winced. I feel like we're about to see someone fully catch him clean and knock him the fuck out. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised at that. You know, in to be honest with you, I was one of the people who believed that Jones had the possibility to do that if he was going to make that fight. You did. We talked about that last week. You uh, I, felt that Jones could have finished. Yeah, and, and you know, safe money was him winning by decision. But if that fight happened, I mean, Jones has more finishing ability than people realize, and obviously, maybe now we know why. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think Cormier. I, I think he hit the nail on the head there. I think he is definitely finishable. Um, and, right. and how how fucked up is it that this is what we're saying after he just defended the title <laughs> against some guy on two days' notice? You know, like, he just won on the biggest stage. He's only got one loss, and it's to a known steroid user now. 
and we're still talking about how like beatable he is. That's what that match did for his legacy. That right there. That's a good point. Um, all right, we'll move on. And I think outside of let's say I, these are my top three performances of the night: Nunez, Kane. And Jose motherfucking Aldo. I, I might is... intersplice that with uh, Joe Lozon because I thought Joe Lozon looked like a goddamn animal. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, my counter argument to that would be the shell of Diego Sanchez. Although Diego's never been finished, so yeah, you might be right it's, there. The only time he's ever been finished was a doctor stoppage from BJ Penn. And um, he got clobbered. So uh, Jose he... Aldo with the unanimous decision win, five rounds, and he looked first of all. Uh, I, just going on the eye test, he looked jacked. He looked in great shape. I think he looked better physically than he did in the Connor and the Chad Mendez fight. And wow, his ability to um, just dodge and evade and retreat back, it was like Muhammad Ali-esque. Yeah, and we I, haven't seen that in a bit. I think the defense looked Floyd Mayweather. Yes, that's a great. Yeah, thank you. That's it. He just... It wasn't even that his shots were all that impressive. Although they were, it seemed like Frankie threw ten shots that like might have barely grazed Jose's nose, and then Jose threw one through his head. Right, you know, and it was just like wow. He and you know the CompuStrikes numbers kept coming up, and it'd be like Frankie's out striking Jose Aldo by twenty five strikes, and you're like, yeah, but what has he done? What the what the hell is a significant strike if Jose isn't winning this battle? Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? And not only that, I just thought, um, uh, you know what? I just lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, this is what it was. Frankie, for the first time in his career, did you see when he got frustrated? Yeah, he was really frustrated. He was really frustrated. And I, you know, this is where I lost most of my money in gambling was on, I really thought Frankie was going to win because this is the way I looked at it. The 2014 and 2015 version of Frankie Edgar that I had in my mind, the one that just put the beat down on Cub Swanson, the one that beat Chad Mendes, was going to beat the 2014-2015 version of Jose Aldo, the one that I thought looked, you know, okay in the Mendes fight, epic fight, epic fight, mm. but I thought looked somewhat beatable, and then the guy that got flash knocked out by Connor, and I was just so sure of it that Frank this was going to be Frankie's time, and this is why it's so impossible Th to pick fucking MMA. And this is this shows me like so clearly how much people have written Jose Aldo off. It's mm -hmm. like one of the greats, not just presently, but of all time. Like if we're writing a pound for pound list right now and he's not in somebody's top, what, let's say 15, you're high. <laughs> There's no way you can write a top 15 list of the best pound for pound pup fighters and not include Jose Aldo. Jose, I'm sorry for ever doubting you. Yeah. I mean like, he, I mean, if I was writing a pound-for-pound pound list, he's higher than Cormier. Um, now, he's higher than Bisping. So, he's higher than Stipe. Those are three champs. Aldo is now the interim champ. Uh, they basically said that it's going to be Connor after this whole Nate thing. Yeah. Um, but let's just say Connor decides he never wants to make that weight cut again. You'd give him Max Holloway. Yeah, that so could take no money. There's no matchmaking happening. Yeah, there. no matchmaking happening there. Guy like Frankie, kind of similar to girl like Misha. What do you do with Frankie now? Oof. Um. Yeah, I, that's a tough one for me. He, he goes instant gatekeeper. Yeah, like maybe you know, for the rest of his life. Eh. I mean, like I, I can't envision a situation where we would have to give him a title shot, other than just like he would have to murder like ten people. Well, I mean, like this is the way I look at it. So you know, we all know styles make fights and blah 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 blah. I think what he needs to root for is that Connor keeps that motherfucking belt, and then he's an instant title challenger for Connor somewhere mid yeah, to late Connor next year. Connor needs to beat Aldo. 
Yes, because if Aldo keeps the belt, it's kind of a Benavidez situation, yep. right? He's had his cracks at Aldo. Sorry. It's over. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Benavidez, it's done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, all right, and then we'll just uh, finish up the main card on this, which is Kane Velasquez <laughs> wheel kicks now. Uh, and, that was pretty fucking scary. Dude, and <laughs> if I had told you in 2016... To a, to a six foot seven guy. <laughs> if I had told you in 2016, Kane Velasquez and Dan Henderson would nail uh, high kicks to the face on someone, you'd say I'm crazy. But yeah, he looked great. I wanted it to go a full round just so I could hear Coach Edmonds' advice in the corner. You're doing great, Hoppe. You're doing great. <laughs> um, but Kane is back, and you could, you know, if Brock doesn't come back and you want to do Kane versus Stipe, the winner of Stipe uh, Overeem, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, I said this before the fight, too. Uh, you know, not that I keep saying I told you so, but I, I did tell you so on this one. I thought that people were writing off Cain Velasquez too early. I mean, he, yeah, he lost to Verdum and looked like crap doing so. At elevation. But when has he ever looked bad other than that fight? I mean, just the JDS flash knockout. Yeah, which that, he was but he didn't look for. bad there either, though. Right. I mean, he got caught once and looked like crap above sea level every single other time he looked like a goddamn murderer you know and i i still think that's in there he's the kind of he's the guy who put jds on his back for five rounds and turned jds into an unrecognizable figure he's the guy who you know no one has ever defended that heavyweight belt more than twice when we look back on the uh in history on that fact he's the guy where i'm just like really kane didn't defend him more than twice or i say to myself man, Kane should have been the guy that could have defended it more than twice. Yeah, And, you know, injuries kind of got in the way. And, hey, he's still kind of young in the heavyweight division. I mean, yeah, the heavyweight division is insane. I wouldn't be surprised to see him the champ. I would not again. be surprised, yep. right? All right. And then on a somber note, what do you do with the other half of that fight, Travis Brown? Um, You know, I, th- I think there are definitely still some fights for him in the heavyweight division. Look, he's definitely a top 10 talent, right? Like, you wouldn't debate that. No, I would not. Not yeah. at that heavy, the UFC heavyweight division. Yeah, it's pretty sparse. But I'd give him somebody like, uh, how about Stefan Struve? Sure. Yeah, Stefan Struve's a good fight. I mean, he beat Stefan Struve once, but like, I don't know. He has a win over Stefan Struve? Yeah, the, the flying punch. Stefan Struve goes for the flying punch. Travis Brown punches him in the face. He bends over backwards like a freaking... Oh, wow, you're right. Yeah, it was gross. Like, it's one of the most violent knockouts I've seen. But, like, Struve had a pretty good fight until he decided, like, a flying Superman punch was a good idea. Yeah, but um, someone of that caliber. Yeah, or, like, um, I know Alexi Olenek fights Wednesday. Um, Alexi Olenek is a really fun guy for me. He hasn't fought in a while, but I would watch him fight somebody like Travis Brown. Um, we'll move to the preliminary card on FS1. It was uh, main evented, so to speak. The prelims were by Juliana Pena getting unanimous decision victory over Katzengano. Pena's grappling looked excellent here. Uh, you know, I got to say a little disappointed in Kat. I thought there were some fight IQ moments for me in there where when Pena was getting the better of the grappling, yet Kat kept trying to grapple her. I also thought, hey, she's been hanging out in uh, Thailand, right, for the last year. I was hoping to see some improved, like, Muay Thai striking, and I just didn't see that out of yeah, her. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, you got to ask the question about where Head is. She's had a, a really tough couple of years. Uh, you know, the, the stuff with her husband, um, the Rousey fight right after that, knee stuff. You know, like, it, it sucks to have to question, like, where her head's at, but, like, it is the biggest question right now when you're talking about Kat Zingano is like, man, maybe your head is just not in fighting anymore. or Maybe there's too much going on. I mean, it's, it's similar to the, I mean, not quite as, as, uh, 
the same, but it's similar to the Jojo Calderwood stuff. Remember how bad Jojo Calderwood was when stuff was happening in her real life? Yes. You know, like, same thing. I mean... So, uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. So, for Kat, where do you go with her? I, we well, mentioned Misha. You mentioned Misha. Yeah. I, th- I think that that's a good fight. And, and for Pena, she's in the title mix, right? It's yeah, I, be... I like her with the winner of Holman Shevenko if you're giving uh, Rousey the title fight. And if you're not giving Rousey the title fight, I like her with Rousey. So, Rousey or Holm. Or Shevenko with a win over at home. Uh, we move on. It was a catchweight bout. Kevin Gastelum got the better of Johnny Hendricks. Improved striking out of Gastelum. I think he's been at King's MMA. They do wonders. Hendricks is probably more the story here. He's fallen on hard times, as Dusty Rhodes once said. What do you make of Hendricks' performance, and where do you go with him? Send him to 85. He, he missed weight again. Granted, this time it was only by like a quarter of a pound or a half a pound. But like, he's got to move up. I mean, it's clearly draining him he probably would be a better fighter at 85. Yeah, you know, I think that too. I think the weight cut, the non-weight cut would help, but he would be, I, I remember looking this up. He'd be up, a small 85. He'd be a very small 85 with a significant reach well, you disadvantage. Know you know what he's got to do? He's got to become a, a muscly 85. Right. You know, he's got to become a, a fucking Just a, Hector Lombard 85. A terror of a, I'm going to take you yeah, down, get like, inside. Dude, and... it's time to hit the weight gym and power lift, or it's time to no lay off. No problem the, for him. Or it's time to lay off the freaking burritos, one of the two. It's ironic. That he missed by a quarter of a pound, and he's probably been eating a lot of quarter pounders. Hey, you know what else is ironic was I have to say this. Isn't it sort of a going back just a second? Sort of a uh, perfect circle here that Misha won her title with that nasty rear naked choke, and then lost, lost her it. title. Same thing. With the rear yeah, naked yeah. choke. Okay. Um, uh, oh, and for Gastelum, what do you want to see for I, him? I'm going to steal it. You said it off air, and I, I hate that I have to be the one to say it now, but. Uh, Donald Cerrone. Yeah, Let's that'd be a it. fun fight. Him and, and Donald. And I also think, so now he's beaten Johnny Hendricks, a former champion. Keep giving him... Uh, Little step-ups like Step-ups like that and big names, and then you have a new big name well, in Kevin Gastelum. He's only 24, 25, right? right? You know, yeah. he's younger than both of us, for Christ's sakes. Uh, TJ Dillashaw looked just great. Uh, book him in a title shot. Yeah, but just book him in a title shot. He beat Rafael Sansao by unanimous and I decision. I have no idea what to do with the Sansao either, because he's been away for so damn long. I don't know what he is. With a seven-fight win streak before Dillashaw, to come back to Dillashaw, that version of Dillashaw. In, in how many years? Has he been away? I mean, like, Christ, almost two. I think he came out a year and, and a half. Like, oh, that's what a sun sound looked like. <laughs> right? You kind of forgot. Like, <laughs> kind of like forgot who the hell he was and his style and stuff. I like went to break down his fight and I was like, "What does he do again? <laughs> is he a striker?" <laughs> uh... um, Sage Northcutt beat uh, Wasabi Marin uh, via unanimous decision, but that does not tell the tale of this fight. I felt like I was watching uh, an independent promotion. It was two fighters who I just feel shouldn't have been on uh, a UFC 200 card. Uh, and, you know, you saw, I thought Marin had opportunities to finish that arm bar. Legs were too wide, as you pointed out yeah, in the photo he, to he, me. He definitely needed to pinch his knees more for that arm bar. Uh and you know it's easy for me to say that criticizing from the outside, but well, like, to be fair, every almost every UFC fighter was on Twitter giving hazing both of them yeah. for their jujitsu skills. Well, you know what? And here's the thing I will say about that fight because you know, regardless of what you want to say, one guy should have gotten a sub, the other guy didn't get a sub. Uh, the decision was correct. Uh, whatever you want to say about that fight, in the end, I think what the UFC is doing, booking Sage Northcutt the way that they are booking him is doing him far more harm than it is good. 
Why do you say that? They keep putting him on giant cards with millions of people watching, surrounded by people who are super talented. Right. You just get done watching Joe Lozon have the most amazing <laughs> fight of his career, and then immediately after that, watch TJ Dillashaw put on a champion-esque performance. That's so That's a great point. And you bookend Sage Northcutt with those two amazing, amazing fights. And instantly, everybody on that who are watching that card are going to be like, Dude, this kid is a schmuck. What a stupid pretty boy. Why the hell is he on there? All of the fighters who are thinking, I could have been on UFC 200 are like, what the hell? Why am I not on here? And this guy's he's getting way more bad publicity than good publicity. And that whole, any publicity is good publicity, is bullshit. Because yeah, people hate this kid now. Now when you're being pushed to the moon. I think, and, you I, know, I, I feel sorry for him. Because, you know, if I was him, I'd be like, hell yeah, I want to be on UFC 200. Hell yeah, I'll fight next week. Hell yeah, make me the headliner of a freaking Fox Sports 1 card or something like that. But it's not doing him any good. Uh, I also believe, uh, you know, the other point to that is, too, is is he getting better with fighting the Enrique Marins of the world? Because when he steps up in competition, man, like, you know, who was the other dude? Uh, Cody Fister? He beat Cody Fister. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, like, that division is so stacked. When he gets into even the top 30 fighters, he's going to have problems. you got to imagine Enrique Marin is – that's – Lightweight is is hovering it, around what seventy seventy yeah there are seventy five one fifty fivers no there's a hundred a hundred twelve one fifty fivers so yeah where's he in the seventies eighties there probably. you go right. yeah and and you know like he's probably getting better fighting those guys but like like I said at what cost in retrospect it would have been nice for the UFC to be like dude go fight in Legacy three more times and then we'll talk or. Go train with fucking TriStar and actually and stay there. I've heard this rumor that they felt pressure to sign him so Bellator wouldn't. Oh, he I was know like that that's what it was. Okay, I'm, but I'm positive. Here's the thing. You're the UFC. You make your own rules. You sign him to a UFC contract, and then you subcontract him out to Legacy. That should be a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I, I think the UFC has shied away from doing that, but I don't know why. You know, there might be a legal thing there. There, but. there might be a legal thing, but if I was the UFC, I would be trying to, to talk legacy, RFA, all the Axis TV minor promotions. I think CES is in that conglomerate, maybe Titan. Uh, there's like three or four really awesome ones like that. If you had talked to the owners of that and were like, hey, what we want to do is every time we see one of your killers who's not quite ready, we want to hype them on your cards to get them ready, and then they can sign with us, or we can sign them and, and contract them out to you guys. I, I think that would be a smart business move, and again, I, I don't know the legal, yeah, but they, they if seem, it was possible. And I think looking for a fight, the Dana White show, shows that they're willing to work with, with other smaller promotions, promotions so... Well, uh, now they got them all on Fight Pass, too. Titans on Fight Pass now. So that's the whole thing, yeah. I, I Le- think th- Legacy and in, in RFA aren't because they have that TV, the cable TV deal. I think, uh, sorry, what was on Fight Pass? Titan? Titan. Yeah, I think they could have easily done that. I, I'm almost positive. Titan they're can be on, like a minor league. Exactly. Just make that happen, and then Sage Northcutt isn't getting pushed in our faces, and he could develop. Um, you, could put, you could make him headline Titan and just crush people on Titan, and then all of a sudden he's got a following. I'm all about that's it. That's real. Yes, yeah. Um, all right, Joe Lozon, Gegard Musasi, and Jim Miller all had impressive first-round TKOs. What do you want to say about them? The, the one thing I well, – okay, so first of all, Joe Lozon might have saved his career there. Now, 
you can say he fought a bad Diego Sanchez or whatever. But he is so exciting, and he got another fight night bonus. He is so exciting that winning fights like that assure him another 10 UFC fights. And Diego's never been knocked out. Diego's never been knocked out, and he won like that. And you know what? Who's to say he couldn't win two or three more in a row and be considered at the top of that division? Um, as for the, the Musasi knockout, the, the one thing I took away from that is I was like, man, I hope Tiago Santos gets to stand and trade with him. Musasi takes him down, side control. He moves him back to half guard, moves him back to guard, kicks him off. And I'm like, oh, he's going to get a chance to stand and bang. And then he doesn't block his face as he stands up. <laughs> um, and then Jim Miller taking out the shell of Takanori Gomi just Gomi, was what it was. Gomi needs to stop. Gomi needs to stop. He needs to go teach uh, kids uh, no, MMA. He, he, he was a former baseball player. He can he Japanese go, yeah, uh, first base coach. And go make balloon animals and just get off my screen. Uh, but I do love Gomi. I'm a pride guy. I'm just saying at this point. He needed I've, a pride guy on that show. Yeah. For the it was commercial. A, it was a nice touch. But uh Here's the other thing I will say. I'm such a nitpicky, uh, just idiot about this kind of stuff. I thought it was so cool that Jim Miller was on UFC 100 and then he was on UFC 200. And wins them both, too. And wins them both. And obviously Jones was set up to be on UFC 200, but that's another story for another day. Who on this card is going to be on UFC 300? I have to pin my hopes on Sage Northcutt and Kevin Gastelum. Yeah, the, the issue with Maybe that Pena. is that they, they made this like a... Reunion show of like older fighters. older fighters. You know right? who the the one I will point out to is probably highly likely is Amanda Nunes. That's a good point. Uh, Amanda Nunes still pretty young, definitely lots of promise. Uh, I mean, I'm saying lots of promise. She's the fucking champ. Um, what's you got the age there? Yeah, pain, well, she's 28, so she'd be like 35 ish. Well, depending time. on how fast they go through cards, yeah. I mean, they certainly could accelerate the rate. Pena's, I mean, it took them a lot longer to get to 100 than it did to get to 200. Pena's 26. Yeah. So both of them definitely possible. I mean, Zingano's not impossible. Um, Johnny Hendricks not impossible. Um, wow, I, I actually couldn't disagree more with either of those. I don't really. Think, yeah, I don't think Zingano will be around in seven years, and she's thirty-four. Oh, is she really that old? Yeah, I would not have guessed that. And then Hendricks, I are we going to see Johnny Hendricks at UFC one uh, two twelve? I don't even know what's happening what, what's, with Hendricks. What's Johnny career. Hendricks? Is He's thirty-two. Thirty-nine-year-old welterweight, yeah. Well, middleweight by then. <laughs> Good point. All right, so let's uh, we'll go through Friday night quickly. Um, awesome, awesome fight between JJ and Claudia Gadelia. Uh, JJ uh, weathered the storm of the first two rounds when Gadelia had uh, her gas tank and had the nice takedowns, and then you saw JJ come out and just put on a Muay Thai clinic. She straight up became one of my favorite fighters last night. Same here. Th- it, Friday night, yeah. She already was tops for me, but that like cement, that performance cemented it for me, she, that she's one of the she most exciting. One, she 100% became my favorite female fighter of all time. Of all time. Wow, point. that's big. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nobody, I, I think, is more fun to watch than I'm, wi- I'm with you, man. I'm, I mean, she is it really exciting to watch. Her talent, the combinations, it's like not even one-twos. It's She'll get three off, four yeah. off. It's amazing. Yeah, and she works from the head to the body and back to the head in the same mm-hmm. combination. And I'm like, nobody does that. She's so fast. And, and you know what? I think she's faster in the fifth than she was in the first. <laughs> you know, like she saw Gedalia like wilt and she like found this like 
super saiyan version of energy right where she could like power up and kill people um so yeah, absolutely amazing for her. What's next for JJ? Who do you uh, I would take the winner of Rose Namajunas and Carolina Kowalski. Co- right, right. Yeah, the. Um, I would. Let, I think Rose is a fun stylistic matchup just to see what happened. I'm picking JJ. But yeah, I'm picking JJ against anybody ever uh, she, until she gets. She beaten. now fits in that Demetrius Johnson, uh, Anderson Silva back in the day. Uh, Chuck Liddell talk where I'm done picking against them. I'm just going to pick them every single time until somebody proves me wrong. Yeah. And for, and, and you know what, as far as saying Chuck Liddell too, great fighter comparison. Cause you know what? Chuck used to get taken down once in a while too. And he'd get right back up and punch you in the face and make you wish you never took him down. Yeah. The only difference there is that Joanna reels off three to four, whereas Chuck would just have the one bomb. <laughs> yeah. But yes, I see. What, yeah. It's brawl and brawl though. It's yeah. what I'm talking. Right. Right. Um, okay. And then, I mean, what else do you want to talk about from that Friday night? Because goddamn, am I over the ultimate fighter as a concept? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, you know, I don't mean to be offensive to any of these people, but like when you see a guy who comes in five pounds light, Andrew uh, Sanchez, Andrew Sanchez came in beat five Khalil pounds Roundtree. Light. Yep. Be, and Khalil Roundtree, great prospect, but at three and oh, we shouldn't be watching like a championship fight between these two. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, Clearly, something has to be done to reboot it, um, which, which I've said before in the past, too, that it needs to be rebooted. They went with the team concept, and it, like, failed. Um, but, you know, Khalil Roundtree is not tough champion material, and it's sad that, like, this is, like, somebody fighting. And Sanchez is clearly a 185-pounder and, and dominated the 205-pound tough. So, uh, and then Amanda Bobby Cooper, I, I mean, she's a very legitimate threat in, like, Invicta, but, like... She lost she, to Tatiana Suarez. She doesn't look like she belongs in the in, UFC, right? In the strawweight finals. No. No. I mean, who is the most relevant uh, tough fighter to come out in the last couple of years? I guess it's Gastelum at this point, right, uh, for tough winner. He beat Uriah Hall, did he not? No. The, the oh. most relevant current tough winner is uh, John Dodson. Is Dodson, and that was what season? He beat uh, TJ Dillashaw in the finals. And now we're going, was that the live season? No, live oh, season was Oh, it was Chiesa. Um, was it Chiesa or yeah. was it freaking Colton Smith? It was Chiesa <laughs> because I remember Chiesa's dad died oh, during the right. live season and all that. And but, that was at Sam Cecilia too. But anyway. That was a good season. That was a great season. Yeah, it was a good season. But anyway, the past couple of seasons, fuck off. Yeah. I, well, I mean, well, hey, Ryan Hall. I love I'm, Ryan Hall. I love Ryan Hall. He wasn't even really in the finals, though. I'm, I'm going to pitch this idea, and I mentioned <laughs> He was it a last-minute replacement. On Open Matt the other day. Uh, I think what they should do is they should uh, go back to the team concept, but do like IFL style. Uh, where you get like five people from every gym all wanting a contract and have them fight in like a tournament best three out of five. I, I mean, I already love that idea because it's just something new and it shakes it up. Do you have them all in one house or no? No. Scrap that. Scrap the fucking and house, make, right? Make like a travel to like a third destination and you can make a show out of like the five people traveling together and mm-hmm. like their weird friendships and the fact that one doesn't like the other one and shit like that. I'm there. Write, write your local congressman, and, write the UFC. And, and I got eight gyms that i could pick out i'm sure um will brooks made his uh ufc debut beat ross pearson via unanimous decision your thoughts super underwhelming he should i thought he was better than that uh i always give guys a little bit of slack on their ufc debut fight i think there is uh you know just kind of a get to know you but he's supposed to be this like pretty legitimate wrestler right Mm -hmm. sure did you think no somebody like ross pearson should be able to stop your wrestling no 
Yeah, that I mean that that's a red flag to me. Uh, here's really the standout uh, of the I, night. I know you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And I'm so pumped to talk about this guy. <laughs> Do Ho Choi, the Korean Superboy, beat Tiago Tavares with a nasty KO in the first round. This dude has had what? He's three and zero. He's three and zero, and he spent less than a round in the cage, dude. Less I, than five minutes. Okay, this guy three excites me. Okay, I never thought I'd say that, but this guy excites me. And I wonder, this is what I was thinking, do you go with the prospect versus prospect, Duhu Choi versus um, Yair Rodriguez, or do you just kind of build him up a little more? Oh, I love, well, I mean, Yair has got to get by uh, Alex Caceres first. Yes. But I would love to see Choi versus whoever wins that fight. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good one. And, And you know what? I'm picking Choi. Because you know what? I think this dude's legit. This is going to be... So I think he is legitimately one of the first uh, opportunities that Asia is going to have to having a champ. I wrote an article about it recently. I think he is going to be the first Asian champ. I'll tell you something else. While I take nothing away from Connor's performance against... I think it was Max Holloway. It was a second fight, right? But if you uh, put together... Duhu Choi's first three performances versus Connor's first three performances at featherweight. Duhu Choi, and I'm pretty sure Choi was younger at the time of his first three as well. He probably was. I yeah, think he's only. I mean, he looks like he's twelve. He does. <laughs> he is twenty-five. And eh, look when his first fight was, though. It was probably more than a year ago. He was probably twenty-three or four. Yeah, you're probably right. His first fight in the UFC was November of 2014. So I can't. He was at least twenty four, maybe twenty three. I can't do the math that quickly in my head. But anyway, he he's reminding me these performances, these early performances. Connor knocking out Brimage. Connor knocking out um the dude who shot up the club in Ireland. Uh, that was his third fight. Uh, Diego, he was the Ultimate Fighter guy. Oh, Brandao. Yeah, Diego Brandao. Yeah. yeah. But you know what though, Diego Brandao and Brimage are not as impressive as names as Sam Cecilia and Tiago Tavares. That's a good point. I would say Tiago Tavares and Sam Cecilia are far more accomplished than those. Others. So I think we just came up with a clickbaity article for the website just now, which is Duhu Choi's first three fights are more impressive than Connor's first I mean, three fights. I, I'm sold. That 18-second knockout of Juan Manuel Puig is certainly not to be overlooked either. All right. We'll move to Thursday night because um, I don't think we need to go into Gray Maynard uh, with a unanimous decision win. I'm talking about Gray Maynard. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Okay. I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page there. Uh, we'll move to Thursday night, which was, of course, headlined by Eddie Alvarez upsetting RDA. Um, not I, just upsetting. I mean, demolishing. Absolutely dismantles. Uh, and I have to say, at the last second, even after we previewed it, and I don't think I predicted him in our preview, I had this feeling on Alvarez. I could show you my bet slip. I bet three props where I felt Alvarez could win. I bet Alvarez by decision, Alvarez with a fourth-round knockout, and Alvarez by sub. I basically picked everything but Alvarez by just <laughs> TKO, and I wanted to kill myself. Uh, but I was so happy for Eddie Alvarez. I thought RDA looked a little leaner, maybe a little USADA leaner. Uh, but what was your takeaway? Uh, I mean, my instant thought, and I you can actually check my tweets at Gumby Freeland. Um, if you check before the fight happens, I tweeted, if Eddie Alvarez dismantles or if Eddie Alvarez beats up RDA, is he the greatest 155er ever? Because he's like a four-time champion in, in four, four different, different organizations. Yeah. In like... He was a champ in Bellator at Bellator's best 155-pound time. Right. He should have won the Grand, the Dream Grand Prix. Uh, I mean, now he's a UFC champ, and not only did he win the UFC title, he did it so, like, convincingly. I'm, like, not ready to put him in front of BJ Penn, but 
it's got to be talked about now, right? He might be the lightweight goat he, at this time. He's in the discussion. I mean, lightweight, almost like heavyweight, it's funny. Has anyone actually defended the lightweight belt more than twice? Since BJ? I mean, because well, BJ did like a hundred times, right? Well, I don't, technically, I don't think BJ ever had consecutive defenses, well, though. I'll look you, that up right now. Look that one up. Because I'm pretty sure BJ defended it like three or four times in a row, right? He beat Shirk to win it, and then he beat Diego Sanchez. Uh, well, I thought then he had, uh, didn't he have like a contract thing somewhere in there? I think you're, you're thinking of before Shirk. Maybe I, I am. think he fought Shirk for like Shirk's interim or. Okay, you know what? Actually, the magic number here is three. Okay, so, so many, he won it and then defended it three so times. So he won it, defended Shirk, defended Florian, defended Sanchez. Okay. Then Florian lost it to Edgar. Then magic number Edgar, he beat BJ Penn in a rematch, uh, drew with Gray Maynard, beat and then Gray defeated Maynard. Gray Maynard, and then uh, lost to Benson. But then Benson, magic number three, defeated Frankie on a rematch, Defeated Nate Diaz and defeated Gil Melendez. So three is the magic three is number. The magic number. So I mean, yeah, it's it's been less, but you know, like again, it's just like the most competitive division. And the the fact is, is just because the average human being weighs like 180 pounds, right? Or, or you know, the yeah. average athletic human being is like 180. Is about 180 pounds, right? And when you're 180 pounds, you get fit and you're able to cut weight to about 155. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the weight class that's going to have the most athletic people in it. Um, where do you go with Eddie Alvarez? What's his first title defense for you? Uh, and I'll tell you my first. Title I, I know you want Nurmagomedov. I, and there's no other answer, but uh, try to. I, I think Ferguson deserves it. I mean, that's Nur- insane. Nurmagomedov. Yeah. Okay. So Nurmagomedov is 22 and 0. He's 22 and 0. But how many times has he fought in the last year? Uh, Okay. Probably hasn't, or if unless you count Daryl Horcher. Yeah, but he's not fought he two has a, years. He has a win over Horcher. He has a win over the former champion RDA. You can't Tony Ferguson so, can't say that. So I, I would say Rafael Asuncao had a win over the former champion TJ Dillashaw, but I wasn't getting ready to book his title fight. Mm. Right, and if if for some reason TJ had backed out of that fight and you gave him some guy brand new to the division and he sm- smashed him would you have been like well he's got a win over dillashaw and he just smashed some loser so book it now i mean he's seven and oh in the ufc i know but when was his last win before Horcher? well he was injured and he beat rafael dos Anjos in april of 2014 20 april of 2014 it's over two years old. He's also... He's, he's downright Tyrone Woodley-like. I, well, he's also the take. He's the takedown goat I, I in the lightweight division. I, I get his, his accolades. You know, his ability to take people down unmatched. I'm not taking anything away from that. I'm just saying Tony Ferguson, since... The loss know, to if, Michael if, Johnson. If we take away... Nurmagomedov's went over Horcher because, like, who the fuck cares? And Ferguson is about to smush some some guy who's never fought in the UFC, too. And they both got squash matches this if, year. Yeah, they both got squash matches. If we throw those away, since the last time Khabib has fought, what is Ferguson's record? Uh, so he would be 5-0. and 5-0 and since the last time the other guy fought. And look at the names. 
I mean, it's a lot of similar names. They both beat Abel Trujillo. They both beat Gleason Tebow. But yeah, he has a win over Edson Barbosa, who's obviously a perennial ranked fighter right now. Uh, but you know what? It's too bad they didn't fight in April because this would have just settled the discussion. I happen to think Habib will win that fight. And I also am picking Habib versus Eddie Alvarez, which I could not be more excited about because Habib is such a takedown machine. And because Eddie Alvarez, Alvarez hasn't been taken down in 10 years. Yeah. I, I agree with that completely, and I agree that it's probably a more exciting matchup and more likely that Alvarez gets the loss against Khabib, but I say you got to give it to Ferguson. He's won five times since the last time Khabib is really even five. Um, then I guess the other things just to mention were you had a lot of submissions in the early going of uh, this First five fight. fights, right? Yeah, two arm bars, a guillotine, it. a darse, and the an arm RNC. bar from Gilbert Burns needs to go was, from the back, needs to be noted. That was crazy. And then that guillotine set up by Munoz. Oh, that, I, I can't believe that worked, but it was like a weird arm in cross guillotine. I, I, I liked it. I hate to be a nerd on this, but I, I don't like when they call darse chokes anacondas. Because there's a difference. Yeah, there's it's a, a difference. different in lock. Yeah, yeah. So one Vi- locks behind the shoulder, one locks on the side of the neck. Vicente Luke got a Darce choke, but they called it an anaconda. That's me being nitpicky. Right, and, because it was over near the shoulder, right, not near the neck. And the, correct. And then more importantly, and the arm was on the other, like and on top instead of on bottom. Yep. Uh, Alan Joban with uh, exciting fight. Bolio Muhammad. I'm interested to see him again. Can't, yeah, tough he, to knock out. I, I said that ahead of time too. I'm pretty sure I even picked him to win. Um, he it, it looked really good in Titan, but the thing I think I overlooked was that he stands in front of people too much, and against somebody like Joe Bam, that's tough. Um, and then uh, we'll just wrap up on this. What was your thoughts on the decision uh, for the Black Beast over Roy Nelson? Some people found it controversial. I, I had it for Roy, 100%. Okay. I had it 2-1 to one for Nelson. So and, devil's advocate being, though, did Roy do effective grappling? No, but did you think that uh, – okay, so – so, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll live with that. I'll argue that he had three and a half minutes of ineffective grappling in first and third round. Did you think that that one flurry of strikes for, for Derek Lewis was worth a round, though? I mean, in the third, legitimately, he landed punches for like 20 seconds. It was maybe 20 seconds. It was so many fights ago and so many nights ago. <laughs> I feel like I've lived 13 lifetimes, so I can't like informatively discuss that yeah. fight with you. I need to go back and watch but, it. But here's, here's... I, I, can I just say I wasn't while I was like, oh, really? I kind of thought Roy Nelson had two rounds to one. But then I was like, ah, he didn't really do much on yeah, top. I, I, I wasn't crying. It's not a robber. It's not a robber. Yeah. But the, the one thing I will say that like sealed it for me that I thought Roy Nelson definitely won was freaking Derek Lewis asked for a rematch afterwards. Yeah. Derek Lewis wants to fight him again to prove he can beat him. Like <laughs> Derek Lewis is a wacky guy. He's funny, though. And I, he's a fun matchup for almost anyone in that heavyweight division. He's yeah. kind of become like a modern-day Mark Hunt in a little bit. Yeah, in, I mean, he can knock out anybody and get knocked out. Right. And I, I got to see him fight live once. I was really excited, but he got knocked out by uh, Mitrione. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember that fight. Yeah. Was that in Boston? No, it was in, um, I think, Mohegan's Sun? Oh, Foxwoods yes, or you're right. It was like Foxwoods. Wasn't that the Chiesa Joe Lozon fight? Yes. yes. Where Chiesa was, like, or uh, Chiesa was like, yeah, I deserve a rematch. And I was like, your head is like. Yeah, because he got cut open. And uh, Salza choked the shit out of uh, oh, Masasi. Oh, I went nuts. When he did the gator crawl and it was great. All right, well, that wraps up a very long weekend uh, in review, and now we have the absolute pleasure of cutting to our interview with, and I had to keep, 
Daniel Gumby reeling in check here because he's such a fucking fanboy. We got to catch up with Andre Arlovsky, the pit bull. Um, and we uh, we had a lot of fun talking to him, asked him a little bit about UFC 200, what he thought of Brock, uh, his career up to this point. This interview is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting, our home gym. It's located in Amherst, Massachusetts, classes six days a week. Check out the website, Amherst MMA, that's A-M-H-E-R-S-T, MMA.com. Come on down. Tell them Dave and Gumby sent you. New England Submission Fighting brings you our interview with the legendary Andre Arlovsky. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte, and we are here with Andre the Pitbull Arlovsky, who fights Josh Barnett at Ultimate Fight Night 93 in Hamburg, Germany. Andre, let's, let's get right into it. Um, you have been at the top of the heavyweight division for what seems like forever. I mean, you've been fighting for 17 years. How have you consistently stayed at the top of the division for that long? What's your secret? My secret, I don't know. Maybe I like hard worker, but I think you're wrong. I wasn't on the top. I wasn't the beginning on top. In the middle, I, I had kind of rough time. I was on the bottom. And now I try to climb back on the top. I guess I'm I still like top uh, top 10. I'm very happy about it, but I'm sure it's still a lot of work and, uh, and a lot of fights. So I have to train even harder, be smarter, and stick with my game plan. So, so you've talked about, uh, you know, getting smarter. You know, what about the game has changed from when you did break through to now that, that like, sort of forces you to get better? Uh, for me, I think it's, it's age, you know. I'm not 25. Unfortunately, 25 years old anymore. So I have to train uh, smarter. I have to stretch even longer before workouts and after workouts if I want to be on top of the game. So it's uh, it's a lot of uh, little things, but I have to be careful about. I think I have to think about, and uh, and that's it. Yeah, and and so you know, you you did mention you're not 25 anymore. You know, you've been at this for a while. You know, like, do you feel that you can still, you know, reach that top rung? Do you still that you feel like you can, you know, make another title run at 37 years old? Absolutely. And I think for 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 heavyweights in MMA and boxing, prime time at 35, 37. Unfortunately, till 40. I have I know one guy. He uh, he was a national uh, boxing the Russian team. He became Olympic gold medalist at age forty. So it's a lot of uh, good examples. Uh, Andy Couture, um, Mark Hunt, uh, Silva. Uh, it's a lot of guys. Derek Henderson, who's who's like over like thirty five, and they're still good. Absolutely. And, you know, the heavyweight division, it almost seems like the average age is about 35. Almost all the top competitors in the top 10 are in their 30s, and and you can make a run a little later in life. With that being said, did you get a chance to catch UFC 200 last night? Yes, I did watch UFC 200 last night. What did you make of Brock Lesnar's performance coming back after such a long layoff? What did you think of how he looked against Mark Hunt? Yeah, it was ugly fight, but uh, I, I didn't like it. But I don't like it. But uh, Lesnar did a great job. I guess it was his game plan: try to take him down and keep him on the ground. He did. He stick with his game plan. He, he, he I guess he followed hundred percent his game plan, and he got victory over Marham. But the answer is, I thought maybe Han gonna knock him out in the second or third round. 
Yeah, and, and, and I think a lot of people had it like that, too. It was a little bit surprising that he was able to stay away from those punches. Um, is that a, the, the kind of opponent you would be interested in fighting? Because he, he certainly didn't close the door on coming back. Would you be interested with a, a bout with Brock Lesnar? Uh, listen, I'm, I focus right now on my fight against uh, Josh Barnett on September 3rd. So uh, what's happen up, it's total up to you to see what I... I have to first beat uh, Josh Barnett. And that, that's, that, that's very true. So let's let's switch to talking about Josh Barnett. So you guys uh, actually debuted on the, the same UFC card uh, together, UFC 28. Um, so you guys have, have been in it yep, for... November, November 13, 2000. Yep. Atlantic City, Taj Mahal, yep. Yep, uh, November 13th of 2000. So you guys have both, uh, and obviously both of you have been in and out of the UFC since then, but it's been, you know, hundreds and hundreds of events here. Uh, you guys, despite having been in Strike Force, or, uh, yeah, Strike Force together, in the Grand Prix together, you've a never... Freak show. A yeah, freak show. Yeah, definitely a freak show. Uh, you've never crossed paths, though. Is this a fight that you've uh, kind of always wanted? Uh, back in 2009 or 10, I believe, when I was uh, an, an affliction, uh, we were supposed to fight, but uh, he got some, uh, he had some problems, and that fight didn't happen, and unfortunately, we're going to face each other five or six years later, so, part of respecting he's a top fighter, and uh, he was a champion, he's tough, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, how do you feel about how you match up with him? Obviously, his grappling game is very strong. You want to keep it standing, I would imagine, is the game plan? Uh, he's a very good, like you said, very good grappler. He's a, he wants to probably keep, keep me on the ground to against the cage, so we'll see. We'll see. I have, like I said, I have, I have a lot of work to do. Are, obviously, you don't want to look past Josh Barnett. Are there any other fights on the horizon that you are thinking about? I, obviously, there's always the rumor of Fedor coming in. Is that something that you know you would want to have back and get a rematch with Fedor? Please, please, please I beg someone to give me that fucking fight, you know, because he's, <laughs> he's fighting right now. So I'm like, I don't know, Indian actor, so fucking guy. He fought from. Uh, Brazil when a uh, month ago, two months ago, uh, that guy from Brazil, he was fucking nice. Uh, yeah, he was uh, wrapped and, uh, yeah, he's, uh, I think he's beat, uh, uh, he's beat Imlinenko uh, back in that last fight. So, so I, I'm kind of tired of this conversation. Of course, if Dana going to sign him, I would love to fight him, but I think it's not going to happen. Or I might fight him in Russia if somebody's going to pay me a good money, but, um, like I said, I'm uh, fighting for UFC right now. I'm an employee of UFC, and uh, my future, my present in the hands of UFC. UFC hands. I, I totally understand, and I don't want to beat a dead horse with the Fedor thing. I do. I'm wondering though, what is your take? Why has Fedor never made it to the UFC? Knowing what you know about, you know, Eastern Europe and the MMA organizations over there, what has kept Fedor out of the UFC all these years? I had no idea what I had some rumors back a few years ago. You see proposal here. I'm not sure if it's true. You see proposal him a good money, but his manager says no. I, I, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it just it's never happened, and it seems to be one of those things that at this point we'll all just believe it when we see it. 
or it's better fight in the Russia or Brazil, uh, you know, Japan in a good money and be a champion over there. So I don't know. To be honest with you. Yeah, and and that makes a lot of sense. So uh, speaking of of making money. Um, you know, you've also seemed to uh, take a little bit of a foray into the acting world. Uh, I know you were on the TV show Limitless recently, and you've been in a couple of movies. Um, is this something that you, you plan on doing after you're fighting, or is this something you're just doing in between because the opportunity came up? I don't know. It's just a, it was a good opportunity for me. I, I thought to myself, why not? And, uh, and that's it. But of course, I would love to be an actor because it's easy money. You know, everybody treats you really good, and... Uh, I, I kind of understand. I'm never, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm never going to be a A-list actor, you know. I'm never get Oscar, but why, why not? It sounds fun, you know. Yeah, you could definitely pull off the tough guy <laughs> to, role to, to, pretty to, easily. To, to play, to play, to play some uh, Russian gangster, so like terrorist <laughs> from Chechnya, it's kind of cool, you know. No, not many lines, you know, just section. So it, it was fun. It was fun. Well, Andre, that was all the time we had for you. We cannot thank you enough for coming on. Uh, we wish you the best of luck against Josh Barnett in your next fight at UFC Hamburg, and we hope to catch up with you down the road soon. Guys, thank you very much for having me. You know, it's, uh, for, for, from all these years, I understand you have to be nice to my fans, and you have to be nice to, to media. So thank you very much for having me. God bless you, and uh, hopefully, like you said, we're going to talk soon. Thank you. All right, man, there you have it. Lifelong dream come true. You got to talk to your uh, your MMA crush. Yeah, I, I freaking – I've loved Andre Arlovsky since I became an MMA fan. He's actually one of the reasons I became an MMA fan. I watched him back when he had the – crazy freaking chest hair and mullet thing going on uh way he back. still has the chest hair yeah he still got the chest hair dude maybe. he's I, I just love like that eastern european kind of he demeanor. sounds like a bad guy in every movie you've ever watched right right, right, right. i mean he, he actually joked a little bit about that when he was doing the the tv show limitless he, i mean he he played like a russian spy because like what else was he gonna play he's like a big scary looking russian dude or belarusian dude I, I love when he says i want that fucking fight when we oh, ask him about fedor i want that fight too i mean book it book it baby um but that was really cool to catch up with him and i of course make fun of you but i'll tell you right now if gsp ever got gets on the show I I'll, mean, I'll make fun of you yeah and i will be i am so impressed with your performance gsp <laughs> um all right so we'll go real quickly because this show has gone real long just like the week did uh with all it, the fights it should, be, though. it should be um we have a fight card coming up this weekend and we don't really need to go too in depth on it because let's face it there isn't a lot of relevancy to this fight card kind yeah, of a pretty uh, sparse. yeah pretty sparse and, but and there's a lot of like young prospects that you should like check out if you want to know the the roster top to bottom but like scott we, we won't bore you with it when we we just got done breaking down like fucking 35 fights this is the way i look at it from a very like kind of base overview scott uh hot sauce holtzman interested to see him fight again yeah i love all, scott's hot sauce hot sauce, hot sauce holtzman Eric Spicely versus Sam Alvey. That and he's, I'd always watch Sam Alvey, no matter what. Right. And he's coming off the Ultimate Fighter show. He's a submission uh, expert. Yep. So that's kind of exciting. I, and I, Sam I, Alvey's a tough first matchup. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want that. Yeah. But he's coming off a couple of losses, so they need to give him somebody who he could knock out, probably. Right. And then, I, like, uh, I like Lauren Murphy, too. I was again. just going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, our girl. Chokasian, uh 
that should be a win for our girl Murphy. I, I think so, but don't underestimate. I think it's Chokagian. Chokagian. I don't actually know how to say her name, but I've seen her fight in some other promotions. She's like a pretty good boxer. She's the type of person who's going to stand in front of Lauren Murphy and bang with her, which is exactly what Murphy wants. Murphy hates those boring fights. She even said it on the show. Uh, I will throw one more at you before we, we kick it to the, the top of the card. Louis Smolka? Yeah, Louis Smolka versus Ben Wynn. He's is a four really and fun one. fight at uh, 125. Two guys who could be uh, fairly relevant at 125 at some point in time. And then what about the two eye charts fighting each other, Daniel? I mean, Youngchuk versus Alexi Olenek. Oh, Alexi Olenek. Uh, dude, I'm a huge Alexi Olenek fan. Dude's got 60 pro fights, including 50 wins, 59 in one career, but he's like 43 at this point in time. When he broke into the UFC, he was like 40. He like won his first two fights very impressively, and he's been hurt since then. He beat um, uh, Rochal in his debut, I'm pretty sure. The, he beat Rochal in uh, the freight train, uh, Anthony, Hamilton. Hamilton. Anthony Hamilton. The boar show, Jared Rochal. Uh, and then you have uh, Tony Ferguson in a squash match against yeah, Landon Veneta. Yeah, he Vanetta. kills Lando Ventana. And then here's the big one. Wh- who are you picking? Michael McDonald, friend of the show, versus John Lineker. I like Michael McDonald in this one. Fuck yeah, you do. Uh, Lineker, I mean, definitely has the boxing advantage here. Um, but it seems like the only times McDonald's had a big problem is when somebody outgrapples him. And, and Lineker is not going to do that. Lineker is not going to outgrapple our boy Michael McDonald. Um, so if Michael McDonald decides to bring this to the ground, I like his chances here. All right. And uh, we will now transition. Uh, Gumby told me that we had maybe the biggest interview we've ever it's, had on the show. It is huge, guys. Uh, and never more relevant. Obviously, if you haven't been living under a rock and if you're listening to the show, you're an MMA fan. You know that John Jones was supposed to headline UFC 200. Of course, got popped for the old PEDs uh, and just left Vegas. Um, and Gumby texts me like the little girl that he is because we like to text back and forth about MMA stuff. But he says, I got John Jones on the show. And I'm like, wow, this couldn't be more topical. John Jones, the weekend, he gets popped for PEDs and is out of the biggest card of all time. And I'm going crazy exclamation points, emojis with smiley faces. Holy crap. And then he tells me, oh, no, not that John Jones. The other John Jones who always gets confused as the real John Jones on Twitter, who actually has like 6,000 Twitter followers because he just happens to have the same name as John Jones. And people tweet him mistakenly and, and he's got the right twitter handle he's at john jones he right he got he there has first. the at john jones john jones is like at the johnny bones or some fucking thing like that so this is at john jones and i i'm i was pumped about this interview because he's a super funny guy he is pretty funny uh, and it was i mean it's just like a great time we got to keep talking to him whenever uh john jones is in the news but i like this bizarro john jones this other john jones so we will end on this we'll be back next week of course with another good episode uh reacting to the Sioux falls show you of course can catch us at top turtle mma on twitter and you can email the show top turtle mma at gmail.com we will end on this interview with John Jones, not that John Jones. It, of course, is brought to you by New England Submission Fighting and Amherst MMA Gym, our home gym. You can check them out, AmherstMMA.com. New England Submission Fighting brings you our interview with John Jones, the video game developer. This is Daniel Gumby Vreeland here with my co-host Dave Tremonte, and we have the pleasure of sitting down with John Jones. Nope, not that John Jones. Uh, a much different John Jones. You might know him as the tech guy who owns the handle at John Jones. You've probably accidentally tweeted at him a few times. I know. I'm pretty sure I have once or twice. Um, 
So let's let's get right into it, John. Uh, when did you first realize that your Twitter handle was the name of a very, very famous professional fighter? Uh, UFC 151. <laughs> that was... Uh, I was uh, that was the point where I realized how large and important he was. Part of that was mostly people like, "Hey man, like looking forward to your upcoming fight," or you know, "I bet you're going to get beat up a bit." And blah blah blah. <laughs> My friends would take uh, go out to uh, you know they'd I hit the UFC pay per views and stuff, and if there's beer there, I'd tag along, but I don't really follow the sport. But once UFC 151 happened and he backed out. Um, then it was then I started realizing, oh, he's like people give him death threats. Famous. <laughs> So um, that was turning point. <laughs> so, so obviously that event was a uh, you know a, a really really crazy pullout and and probably blew up. Uh, I'm sure every single time he fights, there's huge blowups. Was this time crazier than all of the other times? Actually, yes, it was. Fewer, well, in for for different reasons. Like the UFC 151 was almost entirely misdirected, uh, hate mail, death threats, um, people wishing harm on my family. But over time, some people realize that it's actually me. So I'll have a small, you know, I'll have a couple hundred people follow me just for the duration of whenever Bones screws up, which is frequently. But uh, in terms of scale, this one absolutely was the biggest. Uh, I had, I think, 2.1 million impressions on my Twitter handle since Thursday. <laughs> it's um, it's insane. They uh, there's an article on me in um, Yahoo Sports USA Today. I was on Sports Illustrated, and the thing that blew my mind was <laughs> apparently uh, I was on. They put me on Sports Center. <laughs> they they had a segment on a Sports Center where they put my face up and they're talking. I haven't seen the segment, but they're talking about my tweets. And uh, you know, I try to reply to everybody to be funny, just because. It's a hobby only I can have. What the hell? Why not? It happens four times a year. But the tweet they picked was me replying to someone asking who would win between me and Bones. And I said, hmm, who would win between the world's best professional fighter and a, ta- and a taco-filled human potato? Let me do some math. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, that's the one Sports Center runs with. So, of course, that's my cover photo now. And <laughs> but, yeah, this one was a lot crazier, just the scale and you know the, the reach that it got. It's, it's been hilarious and weird live tweeting UFC 200 last night was fun too well so I know like about a year ago when he got in all the trouble with the law when he hit the pregnant woman with the car it was very um if I recall because I think that's right around the time of the Yahoo article if I'm not mistaken you had a lot of like nasty kind of negative stuff come your way by mistake what was the the tenor of what came at you this week with the with the drug fail were, was it a lot of hate, or was it just people kind of making fun? Like, wh- what came? What was the overall yeah. kind of theme? Predominantly, it was people that were frustrated and disappointed, and there was even kind of um, uh, a, a religious um, slant to it. It's because you know he's you know very you know open about being Christian and gets the Philippians four thirteen tattooed across him. And there are a lot of people that are religious that really looked up to him. Like as a you know, as a positive role model, and it was it was actually sad seeing the kind of disappointment they had. Like, come on, man, get your life together. We looked up to you. You're a great wow. symbol for our religion. It's like because I mean, before it was just like, LOL, die in blood. This one is just like, oh man, you're like wrecking souls. <laughs> 
That's crazy. So I, this is my question to you, uh, other John Jones. You seem like a very intelligent guy, well-spoken. You're a successful video game developer. You have 6,000 Twitter followers. You play up the joke really well. If you actually could have a one-on-one confession uh, therapy session with John Jones, what do you tell him? How do you get the real John Jones's life together? What do you say to him? And what piece of advice would you give him? Make Make better friends find people that are willing to say no. Like, I mean, everybody wants, I mean, he's a famous professional fighter. I mean, everybody wants a piece of them they can make money off of. And usually it's easier to make money off someone famous if terrible things are happening to them. They'll lead you down a dark path that feels good at the time. But I mean, it's, I look, I look what's happening to him. I mean, this was like his chance for redemption and he just needs to surround himself with better people that aren't just trying to get a piece that actually love him and care about him and want him to do better. Yeah. Sort of the the Mike Tyson uh, issue, yeah, that happened to him as well. Um, so I, I do want to ask you. Uh, so I mean, obviously, you, you know, you mentioned the dying blood tweets and the uh, you've ruined our <laughs> you've you've ruined our religion tweets. Um, but if you had to choose one that stood out to you as like either the most violent or the most hilarious, was there ever one tweet that just stood out as like, oh my god, look at this? Yes. <laughs> it comes immediately to mind. Uh, I actually, this guy, uh, I, I, I still tweet, I tweet at him every time it happens. Uh, he said, man, John Jones is disgusting. Yeast infection-ish. <laughs> is that's, that's the funniest insult I've ever heard. My, my, sec, my second favorite tweet, was uh, that I wish I'd screenshot it, but someone deleted it, was Jesus didn't do crack <laughs> with like 50 A's, all caps. <laughs> Man, that is incredible. Well, John Jones, we cannot thank you enough for the couple of minutes here. It was good to have the laugh. And I feel like we're going to keep having you on whenever there's John Jones news, because you know what? I think your advice to him was dead on. He needs to surround himself with better people. You know what John Jones needs? John Jones needs John Jones. You. You should be John Jones' manager, social media manager. You should be handling John Jones's life because you've already done a fantastic job handling your John Jones's life. And right now, I feel well, like I'm you. in a discussion about the alternate 1985 timeline and Back to the Future. I don't even know which John Jones I'm talking to right now, but I think you get my point. And I thank you so much for the time, John. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Have a great day.